0: Amen. Well, I thank you for, I thank you for being generous. I want to ask you as we prepare, as we move into the message today. If you know a couple of names, the first one is uh, Brian Epstein. Does the name ring a bell to you, Brian Epstein? Maybe not. That's okay. Brian Epstein had a very important job to do one day. Uh, he had, he had, before him that day, he had to listen to two bands, and he had to pick between the two two bands that was his job to, to to hear musicians and tell the ones that were going to be good and the ones that weren't going to be so good he had to tell to hit the road <clears throat> brian epstein had the, the two bands that he had that day he chose one after listening to each of them play 10 15 songs he heard the words that they sung he heard the the lyrics he heard the he saw how they interacted with each other how, how good of musicians they were he listened to all of that and then he decided he decided on Brian Poole and the Tremolos. I don't know if you've ever heard of, if you have one of those albums around, Brian Poole and the Tremolos. No? Well, the crazy part is, is that the one that he he passed on, you, you probably have one of their albums, maybe several, The Beatles. The Beatles. Brian Epstein. Another guy who made a huge error, big mistake that, that could have defined him, but he decided not to let it. Lance Gunderson. I don't know if you know Lance Gunderson or not. Uh, Lance Gunderson was a cancer survivor. Um, he he was an athlete. Uh, and in the field of competition that he competed in, he was a world champion uh, as a cancer survivor, in fact. Uh, in fact, he won several, for seven, eight years consecutively, he won their world championship in his his event um, only the eighth year, as he was competing, he was caught for doping for using uh, steroids. Lance Armstrong is the name that you know. Uh, Lance Armstrong is the name that you know know him by. That um, whose life crumbled very, in many ways by a mistake that he made. Another one that you may you certainly know her name. Tanya Harding. Uh, everybody remembers Tanya, right? Not for what we wanted, what she wanted to be remembered for. Tanya, if you don't know, Tanya Harding was, was I believe, fourth or fifth to be on the, the Olympic team as a figure skater. Uh, I'm not sure exactly of her place. But her plan to get onto the team was to take out the number one competitor. And I don't mean take her out by beating her on the ice. It would mean beating her with a pipe off the ice uh, and eventually wound up in jail for it. Her and her fiance or whatever it was a huge mistake. Huge. All these were mistakes that people made and, and, I, and I don't know if you if you're a podcast person or not if you listen to podcasts, but uh, Lance Armstrong has a, a series of I mean he has a podcast that he puts out that's, that it, where he interviews people who experienced the same things that he did with like failure. mistakes, huge mistakes where he, uh, where he tried to pick up the pieces of his life and to do something with again. Maybe, maybe you've made some mistakes in life. Maybe it was, you know, you find yourself in debt, not knowing how to get out of it. Maybe it's you weren't there for someone that you should have, and then you didn't get a chance to pick up the pieces. You neglected your marriage. You're too hard on the kids. You wake up one day and you think, how did my life turn out this way? I never thought I would find myself here. That's how those folks found themselves. That I mentioned a while ago. Lance talks about uh, in his in his podcast when he interviews people. He always finds that they always talk about how they disappointed themselves and their families. And if they were faithful people, they would always come back to the fact that they disappointed God. That is a heavy burden to, to carry. That is a heavy burden to carry. Today, in the passage that we're going to read together, uh, we're going to discover that same burden. So I, let's pray. With you. God, I ask that you would teach us from your word as we look at this story of uh, mistake, failure. Lord, I just ask that you would teach us. Show us your grace. Show us hope. We praise you, God. Amen. Amen. So the story we're going to look at today is of Peter. Peter, we find at the beginning of what's called the passion of Christ, uh, the passion of uh, we all know, maybe you don't know, but, but the passion has been a word that's for centuries has been used to describe the crucifixion of Jesus. Why? I said last week that I'd explain why. Um, it, you, you may you may know why, but, or if I ask you, well, why is that? You may say, well, I guess it's because if, if you started your sentence like that, it, you know, like that's how I would have a long time before, that you just you don't know, right? You're just trying to figure out, well, why would they call the death of someone a passion? Well, uh, it's simpler than what you... It's not as... It's not as, You don't have to be educated to figure it out. Trust me. It, it's a simple matter of miscommunication. You see, the word for suffering, the word for uh, the bearing under, the, the word for enduring in Latin is spelled P-A-S-S-S-U-S, P-A-S-S-U-S. Passes. And so when that was translated to Old English... And then into our modern English, it just kinda got became passion. It was nothing, nothing mysterious. Nothing like wasn't that Jesus loved us so much. No, it's not about that. It was suffering. That's what the word means. Suffering. But it's become the passion of Christ. And they even made a movie and titled it that when if you saw the movie. Not a lot of passion going on there. It's a lot of suffering. A lot of enduring. Sure. So, if you join me, we're in the Gospel of John, chapter eighteen, and we're going to read those first twenty-seven verses together. I believe they'll be here on the screen if, if the remote keeps working the way it's supposed to. Be. And um, if not, you can follow along in the, in the Bible that should be near you there in the, in the in the pew. When he'd finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now, Judas who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden guiding an attachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked him, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he. Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and cut the high priest's servant. And struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, "Put your sword away." Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers, with its commander and Jewish officials, arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised. Who had advised? the Jewish leaders, that it would be good if one man died for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because the disciple who was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back and spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. You aren't one of the man's disciples, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, No, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm, and Peter was also standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teachings. I've spoken only to the I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple, where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely. They know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why do you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, Aren't you one of the disciples too? Are you? He denied it, saying, "I am not." One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment a rooster began to crow. At that moment a rooster began to crow. This is a wonderful story, not wonderful in the sense that good, but wonderful and powerful and an amazing story of Peter. I mean. You've probably heard of Peter, you, and when you think about who Peter was, you think of him as an apostle of Jesus, like he was always with Jesus. Every time we read a story about Jesus, Peter's somewhere nearby, right? And you're, you're right, absolutely. Maybe you think of, well, Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. Like he was, Peter had, well, that was a faithful man. Well, yeah, you were right. Maybe you think of Peter who Jesus said, "On, on Peter on this rock, I'm going to build my church, right? Maybe that's the Peter you think of. And, and you're right, but today's text tells us about a different side of Peter. A different side of Peter than than all those, and as we look at Peter, I believe that we're gonna we can find something about we can learn something about ourselves, and, and more importantly, our relationship with God. I believe that's true. As we look at Jesus, how Jesus behaved and Peter behaved in the same moment, but they stood in dark, stark contrast to each other. And Normally, when we work through the Bible, we try to see how to live our life, right? I mean, so that's what the Bible is. It's, it's showing us how to live in relationship with god that's what the bible does it teaches us that and that's true we look at lives like david and his repentance we look at moses and his faithfulness we look at joseph and his forgiving his brothers for for betraying him we look at look at jacob being consistently being persistent always in following after god never giving up we look at peter who got out of the boat right we always look at these these heroes of the faith and, and see how they live their lives and, and we often say, well, that's how we should live our lives too, right? We should be faithful, forgiving, and all these things. But today, I think one of the lessons we learn from Peter is what not to do. What not to do, what Peter did. Because I'll be honest with you, in my life, I rarely learn much when I win or when I succeed. Right? Because I don't spend much time thinking about it. I just move on to the next thing. But if I, make, if I fail, if I make a mistake, it usually causes me to pause for a moment and think, why? What happened? Right? I think that's all of us. So today I want to look at two mistakes that Peter made and the responses that God has to them. The first one, Peter couldn't see his weaknesses. Peter was blind to his weaknesses. See, we see Jesus coming into the garden with his disciples, and he encounters Jews, Judas and this squad of soldiers. Now it doesn't tell us like how many soldiers there were, but but it by a detachment, what that tell what that would mean would be that would be between 200 and 600 Roman soldiers. So there was an army that came out to arrest Jesus. Not just a few guys. It was an army that came to get him. Judas knew Jesus would be there, and Jesus knew Judas would be there. Jesus knew where he was going. This wasn't a surprise. That's how Jesus' boldness played out, you see. Jesus knew what was going to happen, and yet he entered in quietly and unassumingly just walked in because he knew who he was he knew what he was called to do he knew his purpose he didn't he, he knew he wasn't there to draw attention to himself he was there only to draw attention to God to be faithful to what God had asked him to do he was bold that's what Jesus's boldness will like. play. now Peter's boldness what did his boldness look like I mean because Peter was bold as well I mean you think back to all the stories we've heard so far about Peter You know, there was the first time when Jesus asked, so who does everybody say I am? And Peter said, well, I don't know about them, but I know you're the Christ, right? Peter was the one that stood up. He spoke for everybody, right? Jesus walked on the water. What did Peter do? Got out. I'm going to come meet you, right? Peter did that, boldness. What else did Peter do? Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. Oh, no, 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 Jesus. I do not deserve to have you wash. Peter spoke up. He was bold. He was confident. Absolutely. The problem is, Peter's boldness, Peter's confidence was in himself. It was in himself. We can hear it in all those re- reactions that, that Peter was. Peter was bold, for sure. But it wasn't in God like Jesus was. His confidence didn't rest in God. And now when Jesus is arrested, what happens? Peter steps up to defend him, right? he's, he's going to fight. What does Jesus say, in verse 11? Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? See, Peter didn't know, Peter didn't know what was going on. I mean, he he knew all along that Jesus was going to do this. Jesus had been telling him he was going this was going to happen. And yet Peter is like, no 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 no. 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 And this wasn't fair. Jesus, What is Jesus' response? His Father's will. But Peter, anybody could die but Jesus. This was not right. This was not right. And yet, why, why, why would we have to allow Jesus to go through this? To be, to be bound? To be carried off to some kangaroo court? Why, why does all this have to happen? Peter's asking. I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen, right? But Jesus responds, it's the Father's will. It's the Father's will that this happens. But Peter, in his misplaced confidence, right, not in God but in himself, he's going to defend Jesus. And what he winds up doing, in defending Jesus, he actually gets in the way, or tries to, get in the way of what God is trying to do. He tries to block what God was trying to do. I got to thinking, how much, how much time and energy do we spend Defending ourselves, our status, our position, our, our dream, rather than just following where God is leading. How much time do, energy do we invest when someone defends, when someone offends us, someone mistreats us, someone disrespects us? Making a saving face, right? I mean, i got to tell you, I'm a lot like Peter. I'm a lot like Peter. That, Especially when I drive. I don't know about you, but when I'm in the car or in the truck, I'm a different person, and that's not a good thing. Uh, because because that, we use the phrase, like, stay in your lane, because that is my lane. Literally, it's my lane. And if you're not going the same speed as me, I question you. I question you in a lot of ways, like, why are they going so slow? Don't they know I'm in a hurry? Can't they see me right behind them? Right? Because it's my lane. And if you're going too fast, it's no different. Like, what are they doing out here? They're driving crazy. I hope they get pulled over, right? I'm not, I can't be. If you if you, drive, if you tailgate me, I used, I used to. I don't do it as, as much anymore. Slow down. Oh my goodness, man! Now I know. I'm, I'm learning that. I'm Just pull over. Just if if all they want to do is get a real good look at my bumper, then I'm just going to pull over and let them. I'm, I'm not going to allow their their issues become my issues, right? I'm growing. I'm not always perfect, but I'm growing. Right? We don't need to defend ourselves. We don't need to get caught up in everything else. Right? We don't need that. Remember that don't misplace your confidence. Don't misplace your confidence. It's not in you. Be confident in the Lord. Be confident in the Lord. They come to the high priest and that's where the passion begins. That's where we see the second mistake here for Jesus, for Peter, I'm sorry, and that is that he follows at a distance, That he follows at a distance. The trial begins, and it's not really the high priest, it's the high priest's father-in-law, which some people think it was last year's high priest, you know, so so it's not really a legitimate trial that's happening, but it's in the middle of the night, (laughs) and in the middle of the night, real trials don't go on anyway, so we know there's, this isn't like for real, for real, this is like a kangaroo court that Jesus is caught up in. But even still, even in that even know that this is all bogus, where is Peter? Mark 14 who who tells the same story of the Passion Mark 14, 54 says that Peter is following at a distance Peter is following at a distance Peter wasn't able to come in he was outside outside but when he was able to come in the first thing he did when he walked through the gate was deny that he was a follower of Jesus first thing he did and it would happen again and again as he as he gathered with all the others in the courtyard, warming himself by the fire. You remember that? Deny. 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 It was as though he was trying to convince maybe himself. Right? Because everybody else knew that he was a follower. Right? And they said, Yeah, I saw you back at the garden just a few minutes ago. I saw you. No, 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 that wasn't me. Well, didn't I see you? No, it wasn't no. No. Right? He's trying to convince himself that and maybe He's just in denial, right? He's in denial. He's trying to convince himself of something else. And maybe we spend time denying our issues too, foolishly. This is such a change for Peter because Peter had just been the one who was going to fight for Jesus. And now he's denying that he even knows it. What happened? What happened? Why did he change? Why did his bold faith become a cowardly faith? Are non-existent. You know, why does it become such a weak faith, like all of a sudden? A moment ago, Peter was ready to fight as he was with Jesus and all the other disciples. And now, he's alone. Now he's alone. He doesn't have anybody with him. At least, not any of the other disciples. Not any of his crew, you know. He's out by himself. He's not following Jesus, or if he is, he's following at a distance. He's not close Jesus? Being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus is a team sport. It's a team sport. People say, well, I have a private faith. No, you don't. You you can't be a Christian and have a private faith. The only way that that the Christian faith is to be lived out is in community, is in connection to others. You can't be a private Christian. Why? Because as a follower of Jesus, he, he tells us, all these love one another, serve one another, help one another. And if you don't have any others in your life, then you can't be loving one another, right? Just I mean that's a practical reason. We're we're created to be in relationship with other Christians. We're made for that. Peter finds himself all by himself. When you and I or when we're when we're all by ourselves, and we get in a jam, people challenge us, or we get in over our head financially, or we make a mistake or we say the wrong thing. If we're, if we're away from God, if we're away from Jesus, if we're out on our own and we make those mistakes, those things become barriers to Jesus because we messed up, right? We messed up. I'm out here by myself. And now I, I, like, how do I get back over there? Like, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to make the mistake. I didn't want to fail him. I didn't want to doubt. I didn't want to Go back to that old thing that I thought I'd given up. I didn't want to make commit that sin again, right? I didn't want to do all that. Why is it? As a Christian, we know that we're to follow closely, not follow Jesus in the distance. I've told you before that I am a true, true uh, SEC football fan. Uh, Mississippi went to Mississippi State, big big football football school. You know, at least in SEC, you know, they're big football schools, and, and um, I I loved going when I was in college. In fact, I still love it. Something about the atmosphere there is just it's different than other sports and other schools that I've experienced. So uh, we would we go back occasionally and we go to a game. And the first time I remember that we went back and went to a game as uh, husband and wife. Um, Michelle, who used to work with the football team, uh, she said, why don't I get a sideline passes? I was like, yeah, you better believe it. Get a sideline passes. And uh, she was like, well, all right, I'm kind of tired of the sideline myself. I said, no, no, no. get the sideline passes, we'll go. And so we, we go to the game, and we're there on the sidelines. I mean, it is like, it is, I, I wasn't a good enough athlete to play at a school like that, for sure. And and I didn't really have the interest to play at any old school. So, so for me to be on the sideline with people who were like, I mean, they were like, much more athletic than I am, twice my size, and everything else, and it's like, wow, this is pretty impressive, and I'm like, here on the sideline, I want to go tell the coach something, you know, I mean, I'm like, I have all these great ideas, When incomplete pass and the ball comes out of the field, I'm like, there to pick it up, and I'm like, I'm like into it, right, Michelle's like, let's go back to the bleachers and sit down, I'm like, no, why would we go up there, we're on the, we're, I'm in the game, babe, I'm in the game, when a good play happens and everybody jumps on the sideline, I'm jumping too, right, I'm there, I'm in it. I don't want to go sit in the stands. I tell you, that's how I feel about my faith now. My faith with Jesus, I want to be on the field. I don't want to be like up in the bleachers. I mean, I spent too much of my life in the bleachers, man. I want to be on the field. I want to experience what Jesus does. When he changes somebody's life, I want to be right there. I want to be there for it. The season of Lent is all about getting us on the field. Like, it's, it's about taking time, being intentional during this season as we prepare for Easter Day. Kind of take on some spiritual disciplines that move us close to Jesus. I pray that you're maybe you're reading God's Word a little more than you used to. Maybe you got the U app on your phone and, and you read the Bible during the day or something like that. I, I pray it. So I, that's what I'm doing, I'm trying to get closer to Jesus because I know that because that's where I want to be, where the action is. I don't want to be back there in the, in the nosebleed section. Like I don't. That's not. That's not fun. I've seen them both, and it's much better on the field. Much better on the field but when you're on the field, you're going to make mistakes too. You're going to make mistakes too on the field. Even if you're engaged, even if you're near to Jesus, you're going to make mistakes. The difference is, the difference is is that when we're near to Jesus and we make mistakes, it changes you. It changes you. You see, the fact of the matter is, the thing that Peter was going to learn is that Jesus forgives us. Jesus forgives us. The trial that Jesus was submitting to was was just a part of him starting what was a part, the start rather of him taking our guilt. see the way that the Bible explains it is that, that Jesus died as an innocent man. He had offended men but he hadn't done anything wrong in God's eyes. And so God says, I'm going to take the punishment that he endured and I'm going to credit it because he was perfect. I'm going to take his punishment and I'm gonna credit it to you for your mistakes. I'm going to give you credit for what he went through. Even though you're not going to go through it, you deserve it, actually. That's what it means to credit someone else for what he did. We get credit for what he accomplished. Jesus knew, you see, what was, what was going to happen to Peter. He knew what Peter was going to do. And yet, how did he treat Peter all this time? He loved him. He treated Peter like he knew there was something special about him. Because guess what? There was something special about Peter was something special about Peter. And he always treated him that way. That's who Peter was. The one who would become the, the, the foundation of the church. Peter. That's the Peter we know. Peter whose work we're sitting in today. Right? That's he knew what God would do. See, Jesus knew what God would do in Peter's heart. And so he treated him the way that he saw him in the future. Our mistake doesn't erase God's purpose for us. Your mistake doesn't erase God's purpose for you. What it might do is change the path you're going to take to get there because there's consequences for mistakes and and all that. So it may change the path you take, but it doesn't change His purpose for you. never will. See, God never wastes a failure, a hurt, a mistake. He doesn't waste those things. He uses them. He uses them as places to, to get our attention, to draw us back to Him move us close? To turn us around? That's not what Satan wants to do with really. it. See, what Satan wants to do is take our mistakes and remind us of them again and again and again How of how, how such a loser we are, how, how awful we are, how bad we are that anybody should have been able to give up that, but you can't. Right? You can't stop. You can't control yourself. But, but why don't you stop? Right? Satan wants us to remember that and to make us ineffective in our walk as a Christian. Jesus says, no, "I have a purpose for you. My purpose for you is to overcome those things, to live beyond those things." I heard a preacher once say, "Never put a period where God intends a comma. Don't put a period where God intends a comma." What he means by that, what he meant by that, was that it's not the mistake isn't the end. That's not the final. Don't let the mistake have the final word. Allow God to have the final word with your life. Don't put a comma. Don't put a period where God puts a comma. I'm a worrier. Period. I'm an alcoholic. Period. I'm addicted to porn. Period. I'm a gossip. Period. Don't put a period there. God's not finished with you. That's what we understand as Methodists. We talk about sanctification, sanctifying grace, that God changes us from the inside out, from the inside out. So so I used to worry a lot. Comma. But then, Jesus started changing me, and I grew in my confidence in him. I used to be an alcoholic, comma, but Jesus changed the desires of my heart. He changed me. I used to struggle with lust, but when I came to Christ, he opened my eyes so I could really see. I used to be a gossip, comma, but now I understand the power of words because Jesus changed my mind. Right? Don't put a period. It's a comma. It's, God's not done with you yet. And regardless of the thing that you struggle with, your mistake or your, your shortcoming or whatever, God forgives us. God begins to change us. And we can forgive each other and then we need to forgive ourselves. We need to forgive ourselves. Because when you're near to Jesus and you make a mistake, you're going to change. Remember? The things that change about you are the things that need to change about you when you're near to him. You're less prideful. Less arrogant. Less self confident. You're less impulsive. You're less unreliable. Why? Because because when I'm near to him and I make a mistake, I, I know I did. It humbles me. I c I can't look at somebody else and, and say, wow, well why aren't they why aren't they a better person? I know what I did, and I'm near to Him, and so I—it develops compassion in me. It develops love in me, right? But I care differently about people when I'm when I'm near Him. It changes you when you're near to Jesus in your mistakes. Don't worry about not being perfect enough to be near to Jesus. Pursue Him, make mistakes, and He's going to teach you in them. He's going to teach you in them. The things that'll grow in you: confidence in Him. Humility in Him? Compassion? That's why I've shared with you before, one of my my loves over the last few years, I've really, I love this ministry called Kairos, the prison ministry. Um, I've been been able to serve on a couple of weekends, and it's to men and women who are incarcerated uh, in state prisons, and we go in and kind of do a weekend, kind of like what Wayne and Ed are going to do on the Walk to Emmaus. We do kind of the same thing in the prison. There's one thing that an inmate has that, that we don't have, and that's a 24-7 reminder of your mistake. I mean, they're surrounded by it. They're woken up every day at 5 o'clock, told when to eat, when to go to the bathroom, when to go outside, when to come back in, when to read, when to go to the library. When to, They're told when to do everything, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, their whole life is managed. They are surrounded by a reminder of their mistake. And so, when a group of people, men or women, go into a prison and show them grace, it is a there's a powerful experience of that. Men who find forgiveness for themselves, they forgive each other, and it is powerful. I mean, I can't explain it other than people hear the gospel and they respond. they, they believe it. They experience forgiveness. It's an amazing thing. Peter made some mistakes. You've made some mistakes. I've made mistakes. But being near to Christ, his mistakes did not define you. You can be near to Him too. Your mistakes won't define you. That that relationship will. And for Peter, that became his faith, his commitment, his confidence, all in Christ and in the Gospel. In the good news that he wasn't what he did. Right? He became a legacy, a legacy that we sit in today. In fact, his faith was such a was such a testimony that that when Peter would eventually follow Jesus to the cross, right, to be crucified himself. Peter got to the cross and he said, I I I refuse to be to die like my Savior. I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. So he asked to be crucified upside down upside down to suffer more than Jesus did because he didn't deserve any better Powerful. his death was turned upside down his life was turned upside down all because he was near to Christ some of you are here today and, and you're looking for help frankly life is overwhelming and you're looking for you need help and I just want to tell you that it's available to you it's available to you right now, in this moment. What it takes to experience that help, to experience that resource that we all need is is a surrender of our life. It's giving up of our life to Him, asking Him to take control. I'm going to pray for you for that, to, to experience that today. For the rest of us, we're looking for a deeper faith. Many of us are looking for a deeper, a more real faith. We struggle with why don't we get any deeper? Why can't we get any closer? And I would, I would challenge you in that What's in the way? What's in the way? What's the thing that you're denying in yourself? The thing that you're telling yourself that you got under control that you don't really have under control that's standing in the way of you and God. The thing that you, you tell yourself that it's not that big of an issue but it is that big of an issue because it's between you and God. Maybe it's a sin that, that you've you repeatedly struggled with that you've never been able to let go of. Maybe it's a unforgiveness or something that was done to you or done for you or done with you or whatever that, that you've never let it go. You've never forgiven yourself. And that has always stood in the way of your relationship with Christ. I want to pray for you today. God, I thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your love. Lord, as we live into this relationship with you, God, you, you draw